This is the Retirement Plan Playbook. I'm Brent Paspa here, as always, with Matthew Thiel and Joshua Winterswijk. This is episode 27, and today's topic is do you need bonds in your retirement portfolio, which I think is a question that many people are now asking. But before we get to our topic, let me ask you guys a couple of quick questions. Uh, now that restaurants are starting to open up, have either of you decided it's time to dine out? And what has been your experience if you did? You know, I did dine out. I went back to the old trustworthy Chipotle and it was a really, really good experience. First of all, when you open the door, there's a hand sanitizer. So you, you, you put your, your hand right under there and get sanitized. Then they have markers. So you stay six feet apart from people while you wait in line. And then you pay for your order. And after you pay for your order and sign your check and everything, there's a hand sanitizer for you to sanitize one more time. And then I took my food and sat outside and ate it. And then what about behind the counter people serving? Obviously, they're probably all wearing masks, things like that. Yeah, they're all wearing masks. Except some guy was coughing in my food and I got really freaked out. Did you realize? <laughs> no, no. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just laughing at the way it finally opens up a little bit. You pick Chipotle as your meal. Well, I'm not comfortable eating in a dine-in restaurant with like a service staff yet. Uh, but Chipotle, that fast casual, that's my jam. Now, you're in L.A. County. Are they starting to open up a lot more restaurants out there? They had a plan to, but right now they've reversed the plan. And unfortunately, a lot of businesses are boarded up. So, yeah, there's no food or no grocery stores. Nothing's really open out here. Josh, have you been able to dine out yet? Uh, We haven't dined out, no. Uh, The only thing we did do is uh, we went to a coffee shop uh, on Saturday. We did a bike ride and, and stopped at the coffee shop. What was surprising, though, we're in San Bernardino County, but uh, like no one was wearing masks. I think me and my wife are the only ones wearing masks walking into the coffee shop and we sat outside and just enjoyed a coffee. But that's the closest we've gone um, to actually kind of dining out. Uh, but I think the, the biggest surprise was just the lack of masks um, from everyone, from the employees to the, to the patrons. Yeah, we haven't dined out yet um, either. We're, we're just holding off. I mean, obviously with kids, that brings up another challenge. You know, if we're sitting outside and we're spaced out far enough, I think we'd be comfortable with it. But just with kids, that we're just holding off for this for just a little bit longer to see sort of what happens as we get kind of through more of the seasonal phase of this. Uh, one other question, have, have either of you gotten your haircut yet? I'm a no. I heard from my barber that LA County was about to um, allow them to open up, but Unfortunately, he had to empty his store and then board up as well. So no haircuts here. Yeah, me either. My uh, barber's on vacation right now, and um, I haven't got a haircut. So my hair is getting really long. Um, I also haven't shaved my face since this started. So I've had the longest facial hair I've ever had um, in my life, and I'm ready to cut that off too. I know it's going to feel good once you guys get in there. I, I've gotten actually two haircuts. I was, uh, did it very safely. Uh, did them both outside, but it, it does feel good, and I'm sure it's going to feel good for you guys. Uh, so let's get into some of the hot take headlines. Uh, Spotify struck an exclusive $100 million multi-year deal with Joe Rogan. He's was currently ranked number two on Apple's podcast. He had multiple sponsors. To me, it's kind of reminiscent of the Howard Stern XM deal, but how does this change podcasting, and what does it mean for the future of podcasting? Yeah, I was thinking the same thing. It's funny you brought up Howard Stern. It does remind me of that Howard Stern series deal. That's funny. And good for Joe, man. His show's been, I remember listening to his show in like 2010. And it was pretty good. 
I know a lot of people say he, he made probably at least a couple million dollars uh, per show that he would do just based on his ad reads. But getting paid, selling out, gets probably a lot of Spotify stock shares and options. Really good for him. Uh, as for the future of podcasts, that's a, that's a great question. It looks like Spotify is trying to create like a closed ecosystem and dominate the market. Uh, one thing that's pretty cool with our podcast is since Spotify started putting a lot of uh, effort into podcasting, our, our podcast has actually grown a lot, and especially through Spotify. So that, that's pretty cool. So a lot of people think it's bad, but in, in a way, I think it's good that Spotify becomes the, the place to go for podcasts and they make it easy to discover podcasts like ours, right? And um, also, final thought, Spotify, if you guys want to offer, what, a million? Who would take a million? Two million for exclusive rights? <laughs> <laughs> We're right here, retirement plan playbook. We need three million. We all need to get a million, man. <laughs> all right. Three million, and we'll take it in Spotify stock. There we go. I'm, I'm good with that. They are, I think they're the largest paid subscriber for online music, right? I think they're surpassed Apple. Um, yeah, they are. I think it's good. I, I think that they're going to have a, a focus on podcasts. And like you said, just going to be able to look and find podcasts easier. And it seems like they're even offering, um, we're going to be offering tools for the actual podcasts, like people in production. And so I think it's good for the medium. Like it's just a, a positive deal and just a sign of changing times. So does this mean that um, his podcast will only be exclusive to Spotify? You won't be able to download anywhere else. So people are going to have to subscribe to Spotify to listen to a show from now on. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I so think, that, and I think that they're going to have uh, like they have an ad free ad version and then a premium version. But it sounds like they're ripping his podcast off of all of the other platforms, and they have a, a date already specified. But it'll be exclusive. Yeah, so Spotify is listening. Please reach out to us. We're willing to do a deal with you. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Second hot take headline, one of the neatest uh, things that we saw in a long time, probably throughout all 2020, SpaceX sent two astronauts to the International Space Station. It's actually the first time we have sent astronauts into space from American soil since 2011. Did you guys catch that? I missed the launch. Yeah, I, the day that they were going to do it originally, remember because it was canceled, right? Right. They canceled it for weather. I had the TV on. I was psyched. But I, I was heading out to my parents' house for my dad's birthday, and I, I missed the launch. I was really bummed. Um, I heard it was really cool, though. I missed it by just a few minutes. I missed seeing it leave the platform. Um, I turned it on. I just gotten home and saw them ascending. And one of the, the things that I just noticed is like, wow, did that – cockpit of that rocket looks so much different from like all of the other space launches it just it looked like a a video game or it looked like the future and i was just really really impressed with that Uh, that is such a great point it looked like a tesla spacecraft (laughs) yeah (laughs) (laughs) like there was everything was touchscreen to watch the astronauts being launched into space and then be touchscreening everything as they're going out it's pretty incredible. I was able to watch with my kids. They were definitely just so in tune to watching it, and they had so many questions. It's pretty cool. Just quickly, though, a couple of things on. I don't know how much you guys know about the International Space Station. I didn't know very much at all. Uh, I'm very just not – had to have never researched or looked into that much of it. I've, of course, I've heard of it. But the space station, it's the size of a six-bedroom house. It has six-bedroom corridors, two bathrooms, a gym, 
and then it has a room that has a 360 degree view of the entire space. It's the size of a football field. And since 2000, it has been occupied with somebody on there continuously. That's pretty neat that we have some things flying around out there. It's like a large satellite, looks like to me, but it's a spacecraft that orbits Earth that somebody just constantly is monitoring and is there doing all that stuff. I mean, it's just incredible. It, that's, yeah. that's pretty cool. You researched that. I didn't know what, what they're doing. Did you learn like what they're actually doing out there? So they continue to study whatever it is that they study about the universe. But I guess one other cool fact was the space station makes 16 orbits around Earth every 24 hours. Oh, wow. And it, and it travels through 16 sunrises and uh, sunsets during that 24-hour span. So uh, I know that there's times, too, when they go on the outside of the space station. And, you know, that's why they have those spacesuits where they go out there and they, if they need to, to repair something, uh, they go out there and do that. But the reason they have a gym in there is they have to work out two hours a day so their body mass doesn't break down. They don't lose mass, muscle from being in space. Uh, that's interesting. interesting. Yeah, so yeah, look pretty, at the pictures. It looks really cool. Yeah. But, you know, I don't know if you heard the interview that they did. And one of the things that they said uh, they were asked, you know, how it feels to be in space looking down at Earth with all the problems that we're currently having. And one of the things that they said is, like, when you get out into space and you're looking at Earth, uh, it's one planet. It's one shared atmosphere. And from space, there really are no boundaries. There's no borders. It's, it's all you have. And so, I mean, I think that's such a, a, a neat point that with everything going on, you know, with two guys going into space like that, looking back down on it, like really, it's just, it's one shared atmosphere and we all have to live and work together just to, to preserve it. Yeah, it's really nice to hear from them. Yeah, that's beautiful. Uh, let's get to the retirement planning quarter. One of the lesser talk about impacts of the coronavirus is current fixed income yields. The Federal Reserve once again slashed interest rates to 0% in order to try and bring stability to the financial markets. As of today, the 10-year U.S. Treasury yields 0.66%. Interest rates are as close to negatives as they have ever been. Although Federal Reserve officials have doubt that they'll actually go negative like Japan and parts of Europe, but many retirees are wondering if bonds are still needed in a retirement portfolio, which I think is such a fascinating question. Matt, are we really seeing the death of bonds at this point? The short answer, Brent, is no, but we're going to have to give our, our listeners some more, more facts behind this. So the first thing I, I think that the bonds are good for, why we use them, especially in retirement portfolios, is they reduce the volatility, right? They, a bond uh, fund or a bond position should go up or down less than stocks. So like when we have those big sell-offs like we did in February, March, your portfolio won't drop as much. Like I think our, our most conservative portfolio during the sell-off didn't even drop 10% because it had, had so much in bonds. And by using a little bit of stock, I mean, you could get four or 5% a year. So really bonds are great. They do reduce portfolio risk. I, I do understand that the concerns zone have, have a lot more talking points. Josh, what do you think? Yeah, I think that you know, with, with rates being so low, naturally we wanna strive for higher yields, right? We wanna to go to assets that are getting us more return, but I think we just really have to analyze what the purpose of those bonds in the portfolio are. It's like you said, they reduce volatility. They're that stability in the portfolio. 
Uh, I know you guys use this analogy too. They're like the defense in the portfolio. So although, you know, yields are low, um, I don't think they're, that bonds are, are dead um, at all because they do serve a very specific purpose in the portfolio. So really making sure that that purpose is needed first. And if so, then we just have to uh, make sure they're positioned properly. Yeah, to give listeners an idea, like let's say, for example, you had a 60-40 portfolio, 60% stocks and 40% bonds. The reason why we have bonds inside of the portfolio is volatility control, right? Because if you want a higher rate of return, you just increase your stock positions. But if you put conservative bond positions in the portfolio, it helps with your downside risk. So like Matt was saying, when the S&P or the Dow dropped 30% this year, portfolios didn't actually drop 30% because they had those bond positions. But one of the problems that we're starting to see is these bond returns are actually going to be so low right now that the question is, is really, do we continue to invest in them? Does an investor really want to continue? Are they attractive? And if they aren't, where else would you go? And how much are they really needed? You know, what are your thoughts, Matt, on continuing to invest in bonds? And where do you think that it's going in the future? Yeah, I think you have to, because like we said, I mean, they reduce portfolio volatility. One thing that's interesting and a big mistake, I, I think that people are using bonds for still, or they might not be quick to change, is they think bonds are there to create income, right? Like I'm going to invest in a bond and I'm going to get 5%, 6%, 8% a year guaranteed. Those days are gone. We're, bonds should be used right now in retirees portfolios just to reduce the volatility. By volatility, we mean your portfolio won't drop when the mar- as much when the market drops. So I, I got an example. Let's take a look at the 30-year U.S. Treasury bond. 20 years ago, this was the staple of a retirement portfolio. Um, say you had a million dollars, you'd buy one 30-year a uh, treasury bond with that million, it would yield four or five percent. You get your forty, fifty thousand a year guaranteed income. That Social Security, your retirement's done. Right, you don't have to worry. And then you pass away, or the the bond comes up, you get your million dollars back. Great strategy. Now that thirty year bond only gets you about fourteen thousand a year in income. Doesn't even cover Social Security. Right. So the the only reason for bonds right now is to really reduce the volatility of your portfolio and get a little bit of yield. I mean, they're yielding 2-3%. When do we think yields will go back up? I mean, it's been such an interesting environment since 2008 because you had them a little bit higher in 2008. They came back down, they crept back up a little bit, and we're just getting to a point over the last year, year and a half, where we saw savings rates and CD rates finally get a little bit higher to something that's you know somewhat decent. And now we're back down to this point again. I have some thoughts, but I'd be curious to hear Josh's first. I don't think, you know, just especially with what's going on today, that interest rates are, are going to be skyrocketing anytime soon. I just think that there's just still so much uncertainty. We're seeing the Fed using so many of you know, their tools in their tool bag to help reduce the, the impact of, of COVID and everything else. So I just don't think that we're going to see rates right away rise. There's just not a lot of good explanation for that. But like, like Matt said, I, I mean, the bonds are serving just that purpose. It's not for income anymore. It is for that stability in that portfolio. And we've kind of been dealing with lower yields from bonds for a while now. So it's not something that's like extremely different or something that we're sh- like totally not used to. We haven't seen bond yields, you know, like you had mentioned, very high in a very long time. And really, you know, since I've been an investor, they've never really been higher than 6%. So 
that's, you know, kind of, again, just looking under the hood and making sure that if you are investing in bonds, they're serving the right purpose. Yeah, I agree. And then uh, on the other thing, you know, the biggest risk that the, the people who are just buying bonds hold today is uh, I'd be a little bit nervous about inflation, right? Because totally. if, if inflation is 2% and your bond yields one, then you're actually losing 1% a year. That's called real return. And your investments just aren't keeping up with the cost of living. Um, so again, we have to try some, some different unique portfolio strategies to get around that. One option is we could use inflation-linked bonds. And I think that's going to become really uh, popular for retirees to hedge mm-hmm. out that inflation risk. And normally, you know, what makes bonds more risky is the change of interest rates. But I think that inflation is actually a more, that, that makes bonds more risky than even interest rate changes right now, just because bond yields are so low. Yeah, I think it's critical. I mean, regardless of where rates are at, bonds are always going to play a pretty significant role in the portfolio, even if it's just to stabilize and control volatility. I mean, at the end of the day, you need those. But if you start looking outside and you say, okay, well, I'm not comfortable with where bond rates are at, where, where are you, else are you going to go? What are your other options for safety? It's a great question. Yeah, so there's a few other options, really, when you go to invest. Um, you know, the first is stocks, right? Like you could go all stocks, you could go, you know, pretty aggressive. I think that's how the three of us are set up. One, one because of age, but uh, two, I think we just have a, a little bit better understanding of how the stock market works compared to, um, you know, the, the average person who's not really following it every day. Some people might be pitching, you know, the blue chip dividends, the dividend yielders right now, right? Your Johnson & Johnson, you know, maybe a couple oil companies, you get three, four, five percent that way um, from dividend yields. The other option is just cash, T-bills, savings accounts. You can use that. CDs, yep. And then finally, you know, the one that I know, Brent, you're going to be passionate about is those annuities, right? I was waiting for you to say that. <laughs> <laughs> well, let me tell you, bonds are correlated, interest rates are correlated with annuities. Uh, interest rates do impact the indexes and the fixed rate returns inside of annuity. And the last thing somebody probably wants to do right now is lock up their money into a commission-based annuity for a 10-year term where their rates are just so low right now. They're not going to go much higher because again, insurance rate, insurance companies lock in these rates. You have a contract. They can change the rates around. They generally do not go higher. They're just going to most likely lower them. To get locked up in your money with your money to a 10-year annuity right now, probably a very big mistake. Uh, I do not like any commission-based annuities. There's no point in having them. If you wanted to look at annuities because you felt more comfortable in something like that, then yes, there's fee-only annuities out there that don't have commissions. But still, at this point right now with where rates are at, even to lock it up for a short term, five years, with rate, where rates are, I, I still don't see it as a viable option. I think you continue to go with some of these other options and a balanced portfolio. Yeah, I'd rather go with government bonds because one thing no one talks about with annuities is you are taking a corporation risk by uh, if the insurer does fail, it, uh, depending on the size of your annuity, you might not get all your money back. Right? So I just, you know, I keep my faith in the U.S. government and use government bonds over annuities for sure. And that makes a lot of sense. I mean, who, if your goal is capital preservation, why are you taking you know, corporation risk? You might as well take even less risk and go with something more secure like a, a government bond. Yeah, absolutely. 
Yeah, there, there's a much more calculated way to do it than put your money into some of these other options or locking up into annuity, giving your money to the insurance company. And they're really not going to give you a majority of that money back for a many, many, many years. And you're locked in at a low rate. Let me tell you from just experience and seeing it over the years, when you lock in, in environments that we're in right now, your rate of return of your annuity is most likely not going to be very good at all. And the only one that's going to make a lot of money off it is the person selling it. So I would stay away, especially in these environments. I haven't seen a good environment for annuities in a while. I, I would stay away from commission-based annuities. Absolutely. I don't think they're an option right now. I agree. Quickly, can I talk about some of the risks I see or the mistakes I see people make on the bond side of their portfolio? So yeah, I think sure. it'd be re- really helpful for listeners. So the biggest mistake I, I think we all see people make on the fixed income side when they do go select their bonds for retirement is they end up taking too much risk with their bond funds. So they take equity-like risk with bonds, uh, meaning they, they think, oh, I need to get 4 or 5%. I'm going to pick this bond fund that yields that. Well, the only reason that bond fund's yielding 4 or 5% is because the bonds it's holding are extremely risky. And when market, the market crashes like it did in February, March, and you know, we get a recession, those bond funds go down a lot. So I pulled up two that are really, really popular with retirees, uh, the junk bond fund, J and K, and the high yield bond fund, uh, HYG. They're, they're two of the most popular uh, high yielding bond funds out there. How much do each of you think they fell in March? Any guesses? To give you an idea, the bond fund we use in our portfolio, our core bond fund only fell 8%. I imagine a lot. Yeah, I'd say north of 20, probably, or in that yeah. range. To uh, almost 24% for each of them. So that's almost as much as the stock market, but you're only getting bond-like returns. So like, that's the biggest mistake I see retirees make. Uh, on our side, on our portfolio, our investment philosophy is absolutely zero risk with our bonds. And, and this is why. I mean, it's, it makes such a huge difference on your returns in a recession or a bear market. Because when you're saying junk bonds, basically what you're saying is that bonds are loans to corporations. You're lending money to corporations who can become insolvent or default or go into bankruptcy. So you're lending to risky companies, which is why they have a junk rating. And because of that, when we're in an environment like we are right now, it sort of acts like a stock. It starts to collapse very quickly. Exactly. And you see the outflows. I mean, people at that point see their bond fund decreasing at 10, 15%. What are they going to do? The same thing they're doing from their stocks. It's flight to safety. I'm getting out. There's excess cap uh, flows out of that fund. And I bet that's shocking um, for a lot of people to hear about that downside or drawdown from a bond fund. Yeah. It's just something that I've never really understood from an investor's perspective is if you're going to buy junk bonds, why don't you just buy good stocks or buy small cap stocks? I have one guess. They're sold. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's a cost to purchase it. Yeah. And someone's selling it, right? I mean, it is yeah. a, a product. Um, you know, I think it goes back to my previous point is make sure you know what the purpose of that investment is in your portfolio. Right. Yeah. Well said, Joshua. So it's safe to say that, I mean, obviously there's thousands and thousands and thousands of bonds out there. Bonds aren't going away. They're still going to play an important role, but the interest rates are low. It seems like right now is a great time to buy a house though. It is, but the prices are, are going up because inventory is so low, but a lot of people are trying to buy homes right now. And is it because of rates? Is that what they're finding most attractive? I don't know. It might be a factor of everything, right? I think there's multiple factors. House. Yeah, there's multiple factors. You're seeing 
people flee from the cities into the suburbs. Um, now's finally a time that people have not been spending as much or getting tired of their own home. There's just so many different variables, but the interest rates are great if you're purchasing a home, just no one's selling homes. I think I, I saw uh, it was, you know, new home sales listings were down like 80% um, in the US. So, you know, although there, you have tons of buyers, we don't have as many people selling their, their homes. So inventory is tight. Absolutely. So keep your good bonds in your balance portfolio more than likely. Um, it, it is an interesting environment. Uh, let's head into the final thing. RPA recommends. Matthew, I'll let you go first. What do you have for us today? So I want to talk about the forgotten art of reading today. Uh, I think most people have probably been passing their time. If you're younger, you're probably playing video games or using that TikTok. Um, <laughs> maybe if you're a little bit older, you're, you're like on Facebook or watching Netflix or HBO. And then if you're much older than that, you might be watching a lot of CNN or Fox News or MSNBC, watching a lot of TV, right? So as most of us are still distancing, I'm going to go ahead and recommend the Amazon Kindle as a good way to, uh, to read a book. I used to be a big like paper book guy, but the Kindle, is, it's actually really nice. It's light. Um, it's easy to read at night when you're in bed and you have the lights off. Um, you can take notes with it, which is really cool. Yeah, I think it's a nice, uh, nice affordable device for people to do something other than watch TV or play video games or go on social media. Yeah, totally agree. What about you, Josh? I'm going to recommend, I know everyone's buying bikes, but I, I bought my wife a bike. I was pretty impressed. Uh, the company was called Retrospect and it came in like this big box and like pretty easy. I'm not, I'm not too, too handy. And I was able to put it 99% of it together by myself. I had a call on a lifeline just to make sure it was all, all good. But it came in this box, got delivered to the doorstep, put it together and she loves it. And so, um, that's our new hobby that we just started is riding bikes. And I uh, was impressed with the, the company retrospect and, and getting a bike shipped here and easily put together. So focusing on the, the outdoor activities to try to make sure I, I don't gain too much weight through all this quarantine. So are you selling yourself on why you're going to buy yourself a bike now? Yeah, you know me, I, I kind of wait until uh, I find a good deal for my when I'm buying stuff for myself, or I have to really analyze any purchase that I make for myself. Um, but she knew the bike she wanted um, and it came back in stock because I know that they're really, really hard to find. And a lot of bike shops even around here don't have, you know, a lot of inventory. But um, it finally came available. She ordered it. And eventually I will uh, look to buy myself a new bike, uh, hopefully. And if that day comes, I'll uh, bring it up on recommends again. <laughs> this makes sense. I, at first, I thought he said, I bought my, my wife a bike. And I was like, wow, that, that's really fast for Josh to purchase. But then, he, but then he clarified towards the end and said, oh, no, Brooke bought herself the bike. I still haven't bought myself one. Yeah, no, no, no. I got it for her. It was her gift. She, she actually graduated with her BSN. So I, uh, her bachelor's in nursing. And so I, that was me. I, I got to get some credit there. That, that was actually, I did the research. I but, bought it. She just knew she wanted it. The decision was made fast. Yeah, well, she forced my hand. You know, she she was like, this is what I want. And I had to pull the trigger. So if it was graduated. up to me, we would have waited for another discount code. <laughs> so she graduated last year then, huh? <laughs> that's, that's funny. Uh, yeah. No, it was June. It was, it was quick. I did a good yeah. job. But it's not, again, it was because it was her. It wasn't for me. I'll probably get my bike uh, next year this time. 
I'll, uh, I have an RPA recommend, but I got to go full disclosure first because I own stock in it. Uh, I'm going to go with Celsius. I think uh, we all do, right? Yeah. Just sorry to cut you off. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, it's a company that makes uh, healthier versions of energy drinks. It's not sugar-based energy. It's more natural vitamins. Um, and it has about 200 milligrams of caffeine. So like in the middle of the day, if you're hitting kind of that low point or you're ready to go work out, it's a good way to give you that really that big pick-me-up. I wouldn't recommend drinking it at night. For some people, I think it gives them a little bit of the jitters if they, for the first time they drink it. But it's just a, another way to get some caffeine if coffee is hard on your stomach or you need an extra midday pickup. Love it. Stock has been doing very well also uh, through quarantine. I don't know what's going on with them. I don't know if they just because they release new flavors and new types or what, but they're just doing outstanding. And uh, it's a good energy drink. So I do recommend it. For most people, you should stay away from probably sugar-based energy drinks. I don't think that that's healthy for anybody. But Do you have a, a favorite flavor to recommend? I do. I have, I get, so I get two. I, like, I got the kiwi and then also I get uh, the packets, which are like the lemon and it's like a mixture flavor, like a berry flavor, which are really good. Um, my wife likes the orange and watermelon, so the guava is really good. So those, those are the different ones that we really like. And I've tried a lot of them, and they just released Peach recently. So um, nice. it, it's actually a really neat company, so you might want to check them out. Monster replacement, right? Yeah, exactly. Nobody needs monsters. To, yeah. yeah, nobody needs to drink monsters or Red Bulls. It's just gonna, it's really bad for your heart. So thank you all for listening to the Retirement Plan Playbook. If you'd like to learn more about us or read the show notes, uh, please go to the Retirement Plan Playbook. We thank you for listening. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Bye. RPA Wealth Management is a state-registered investment advisor located in Rancho Cucamonga, California. Registration does not imply a certain level of skill or training. RPA Wealth Management may only transact business in those states and jurisdictions in which it is registered or qualifies for an exemption or exclusion from registration requirements. A copy of RPA Wealth Management's current disclosure statement, Form ADV Part 1, containing RPA Wealth Management's business operations, services, and fees is available by accessing the SEC's Investment Advisor Public Disclosure website. RPA Wealth Management will provide Form ADV Part 2A from Brochure and 2B Brochure Supplement to interested parties upon request. Information provided on this podcast should not be construed as a solicitation or offer or recommendation to acquire or dispose of any investment or engage in any other transaction. RPA Wealth Management does not render or offer to render personal investment advice or financial planning advice through its podcasts. RPA Wealth Management podcasts are intended for information and educational purposes only.